everybody welcome to another episode of checking in a lodging dei chat i'm leon thomas that's miranda kitterlin lynch hey miranda how you doing i'm doing amazing i am so freaking excited wow wow okay well <laughs> why are you so freaking excited how are you not our guest today are you kidding me I know, I know, I know. I was, I was trying to be cool. <laughs> I was trying, but it's you can be cool for the other twenty three hours of the day, but for this thirty minutes, you get to be freaking excited with me. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. Before we bring our exciting guest on, though, let's talk about our numbers. This is season two, episode. Seven? See, you say seven. <laughs> Our producer, Dr. J, says seven. Somehow, I'm thinking six, but I'll go with seven because you guys are probably right and I'm not. <laughs> but listen, here's something we haven't talked about on the previous shows. You know, folks, you can listen to us on podcast networks, right? We're everywhere. Just go to your favorite podcast uh app and just search for checking in a lodging DEI chat and you can listen to us. So you're sitting in traffic in your car, you can listen to the show and listen to, I think that that's pretty cool too, right? I think that's super cool. Absolutely super cool. And I realized no matter how many times you say it, it never clicked with me until I looked at my husband's podcast library and saw that he subscribes to us. And I was like, oh, <laughs> Oh yeah, how about that? That's 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 really cool. Yeah, yeah, I like it. I like it. So, let's get rolling. Let's bring on our guest, Miranda. Would you please introduce our guest for today's show? Absolutely. Today we have the very exciting pleasure of having Miss Anna Blue with us. And for those of you who don't know, I would be surprised, but she is the president of the American Hotel and Lodging Foundation. Hey, Anna, Anna, hi. Hey, you guys are so much fun to watch. This is, I've just been over here smiling and laughing. This is great. I love this. Yay. Right on. Yes, I like, wait a minute, say that again. Run, run that part again. Say that again. You two are so much fun to listen to and to watch. That was really great. I literally have been just been sitting here smiling and laughing. That, that, was, that was a lot of fun. I love this. Right. Yay. Right on. We, we like that. Thank you very much. Thank you for being with us today. So, Miranda, go ahead. You get us started and I'll, I'll chime in. Yeah, absolutely. So, Anna, thank you so much for being with us. Um, I was checking out LinkedIn earlier this week and I saw this post that you made. And if I may read it to our listeners, you said, I entered a new industry this year and to no one's surprise, immediately began working with the AHLA Foundation, the American Hotel and Lodging Association, and across the hospitality industry to find even more ways to champion, celebrate, and build community for the bad. Can yeah. I say can I, I mean, say I, can I say a grown-up word? Yeah, 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 go ahead. Go for ahead. the badass women in hotels. <laughs> I That's love it. it so much. Tell me, <laughs> please, tell me and our listeners a little bit about your career journey and what brought you here today. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I am new to the industry. I came into the hotel industry just in January of this year. 
I feel like when I get to next January, I can stop saying I'm new to this industry. I just have to get through like a full calendar year before I can do that. Um, but my background is in social impact. I started my career many, many moons ago in politics. I live in the DC area. It's kind of what you do here. Um, and then realized that the ivory tower of DC politics is not for me and, and really have dedicated the, I call it the grown up portion of my career to social impact. So gender equity, I worked, um, I led a global movement at the United Nations Foundation called Girl Up for a number of years. It was global gender equity, but really tapping into Gen Z as the powerhouse behind making community change and activism and and all of those things. So talk about something that just inspires you every day. So coming into the HLA Foundation and getting to learn about this industry, look across the board and see where we can affect change um, and, and really harness collective impact, which is what I love about this role. Um, we have this forward initiative forward is all about celebrating and advancing women in hospitality um, from an intersectional lens and it's it's just fun it's like coming home for me like this is the easy work this is the stuff that i love so it's really been a lot of fun to to step into what has already been created with forward and now imagine what else it could be and how big we can make it so it's it's been great i love it so much and i want you to tell us more about forward but before you do uh we have previously had people who are connected with the Castell at College program mm -hmm. um, on our show. And I've worked closely with Castell at College previously. Yeah. I've been so fortunate to have a panel in my graduate class every semester since pre-pandemic. Um, so whenever that was, so long ago. Uh, Who anymore? Um, I saw the email that uh, Castell at College is now being... Um, I don't know the correct word, not merged with, but uh, incorporated by, mm -hmm. tell us, tell us. Yeah, so um, the amazing Peggy Berg, who created Castell um, and really sort of pioneered a lot of this work in industry uh, to advance women. So the foundation acquired Castell now almost two years ago, um, and in January, it'll be two years. And we've really just spent this, this two years ramping up what that means. What is the best way for us to kind of take the programmatic elements of Castell at College, build and elevate um, the research that Peggy pioneered and, and sort of those legacy programs with our forward conference. And, and that is now the big umbrella forward initiative. So um, to do that, we also don't want strangely competing brands and to have like Castell over here and forward over here. This is one, um, true movement that we are trying to to bring everybody forward, right? So we decided to pull the brand under one brand portfolio, which is the, the forward piece. Um, so Castell at College will continue. It is now forward thinking. Forward thinking was already a speaker series that had been developed under AHLA. So now we've just expanded what that means um, to the college piece, which is wonderful and really exciting. And big news. Next weekend, I get to have a forward-thinking panel in my class. Fantastic. I love that. I'm yeah. so excited. Leon? Right on. So, Anna, in, in looking at the Foundation's website, I see a lot of things that are that are exciting, yeah. uh, one of which is the, the money that's been committed to DEI programs. Can you tell us some about that and specifically what that money is going to be used for? Yeah, so the foundation a couple of years ago made a $5 million five-year commitment to advancing DEI and really just doubling down on identifying 
where the gaps are, uh, where we need to put in more resources, where, you know, I've, I believe just in what I've seen over the past 10 months, you know, this is such an incredible industry and it is really an industry that wants to do well for its people and by its people um, that, that work in this industry. And so making sure that we as a foundation that works across the entire industry, that we can um, really meet companies where they are, whether you're an employer, a management company, um, you're an owner, you're a brand, whatever it is, um, we wanna be here to just be a resource. So we have um, an inclusive leadership academy that is for executives for C-suite and upper level management to come together for an intensive program with our partners at Corn Ferry uh, to really just look at DEI a little bit differently. Um, I think our approach, it's been new to me. I've been working in the equity space for a long time, but the foundation's approach to DEI um, is, is really cool. And, and I've been really enjoying sort of getting to understand these dimensions of diversity and that approach to it. And so we have a best practices guide. We have a ton of resources on our website. We're working on some other trainings and, and ways that we can get to property level to make sure that frontline supervisors really have what they need, that we're not just relying on this kind of trickle down approach. So we have a, a ton of resources still in development, um, but there is a lot as you stumbled upon our, our DEI microsite. There's a, are a lot of resources there right now. And we're continuing to think through and reimagine constantly, not only what are we doing from this programmatic piece of, of really focusing on DEI, but how are we making sure that that it is a thread through all of our programs. We have an apprenticeship program funded through the Department of Labor. We have an empowering youth program. We have Forward. We have all of these initiatives. How do we make sure that our commitment to DEI is really there and that we are looking at advancing everybody in this industry or everybody looking to come into this industry? I love it. I love it. Folks, you're watching Checking In, a lodging DEI chat. I'm Leon Thomas with co-host Miranda Kitterlin Lynch. Our guest today is the president of the American Hotel and Lodging Foundation. That is Anna Blue. Anna's with us today and having a great conversation. We're going to continue our conversation with Anna after a quick break. And during the break, you're going to see some commercials and advertising that were produced by interns and recent graduates of the Leon Thomas Group. To learn more about us, go to theleonthomasgroup.com. Here we go. Water. It's everywhere. We drink it, we bathe with it, we cook with it. Coffee's made with water. Toilets won't flush without it. It's used for washing clothes, dishes, utensils, pots, pans, floors, and our teeth. Plants and crops need water, animals drink it, and fish need it too. And don't forget, we can have a lot of fun in the water. Water. What will we do without it? From the creative team that brought you The Browning Project and Dead by Morning comes a new thriller that will change the way you look at white-collar crime forever. Falling from the sky.
I'm Leon Thomas with the Leon Thomas Group. Podcast, virtual events, webinars, streaming shows, and so much more. We want to be your partner in all things virtual. And we're back. This is Checking In, a Lodging DEI chat. I'm Leon Thomas with Miranda Kitterlin Lynch. Miranda, if guests want, if someone wants to be on the show, we'd love to hear from them, but they need to let us know that. So, how do they get in touch with you if they'd like to be on the show? It's really quite difficult, Leon. Um, if you go into Google and search Miranda Kitterlin Lynch, you'll probably find a lot of them. That's it. That's all you did. That's all you did. Yeah, there's only one. There's, there's, only only, one. there's only one. And you can get in touch with me also. Send me an email to Leon at the Leon Thomas Group. We're having a great conversation with the president of the American Hotel and Lodging Association Foundation, AHLA Foundation, Anna Blue. Let's bring Anna back on to continue our conversation. Anna, great great information, great initiatives that AHLA Foundation has. I want to ask one more and then we'll turn it over to Miranda. One of the, one of the things that I've, I experienced uh, as, as a hotel manager trying to get others involved in the industry was at the, the youth and high school level, oh. right? And I'll, I'll tell you a quick story about that. I went to the, the high school, right? I called the high school that I went to and I said, you guys are having a career day. I'd like to come and be a career day speaker. And they said, well, you work in hotels. All you do is check them in, check them out, fix and clean. There's not a career in hotels. Yeah. And I said, I got to come down and talk to you. So I went and I talked to the counselors and principals and told them all of the, the opportunities that are available in the hospitality industry. Is the foundation doing something about that at the youth and high school level. Tell us some about, about what's happening there. Yeah. So for, first of all, I agree with you completely. People have no idea what it means to work in this industry at any level. So I think there is a marketing problem that all of us who love this industry have to address. Um, and, and I always tell people you can do anything. You can literally have almost any career and do that in hotels. You can be a doctor and work at a resort, right? You can be an engineer. You can be in social media. You can be a lawyer, you can be in anything, no matter what you have studied, and you can come into this industry. And we just haven't done a good job as people in the industry to actually communicate that. But that's not what you asked me. So I'm going to get off my soapbox. Um, the high school level is really important. And we are now, um, we have a national partnership with DECA, um, which is a high school organization. They have some hospitality and hotel um, programming. We've had speakers at DECA events. So we are starting to work along that lines. We've had a longstanding, um, we call it the Empowering Youth Program. It works with Opportunity Youth. So we're funding community-based organizations in key markets where they're where the labor shortage is a little bit more extensive. And in order to bring in young people ages 16 to 24 who are not currently enrolled um, in school or working to bring them into the industry. So we're doing some targeted youth programs, but not enough. And I'll be really honest about that. There is a lot more that we need to be doing um, to get high schoolers to understand that this is a really cool opportunity for them, whether they are college bound or not. 
um, which is also another really wonderful thing about our industry. I've met I've met so many people who've had decades long career in hospitality who didn't go to college, and they have gone on to to have this really long and wonderful career. And I, and I love that. So I think there's so much opportunity out there. Um, I also was recently talking to some HBCU students that we brought to one of the industry conferences, and they said um, that high school, that it's actually middle school. If we really want to start driving people into this industry, we need to get to them in middle school because young people are exposed to so many different avenues and careers so much earlier than we were. I was not thinking about work when I was in middle school. Um, but now because of social media, just because of all of these ways that people are showing their their businesses differently um, and able to communicate that young people are thinking from a much earlier age about what they want to be. And so um, I think that it's even before high school, but how do we do that is what the foundation is spending some time trying to figure out. Love it. I love that. Uh, and I love that um, there's more involvement with DECA. I have a very long history with DECA. Um, I'm a big fan of the program. Um, gosh, middle school, I can't even remember right. what I was thinking about in middle school, but it certainly wasn't career. <laughs> right. Uh, but you're right. We do have this amazing opportunity to uh, market easier than ever before because we have everything at the tip of our fingers to share with the entire world. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Uh, I also really applaud you for highlighting that you can be very successful in our industry with no formal education, yeah. right? Um, my husband did not graduate college, which um, he's way smarter than I am. And I have a PhD, so I don't know why, what he was doing, but he's been very successful in the hospitality industry. So um, tell me, so <laughs> anyone who listens to our podcast knows that I'm a huge LinkedIn stalker. Okay. So <laughs> I see in your, um, in your profile that you describe yourself as a passion catalyst and change agent. Yeah. And that is beautiful. I just want to know what brought you to, to be that person? Like, did you have mentors, influencers, champions, or pivotal moments? Oh, all of the above. Yes. You know, I think that there is something about activism that's, that's always in you. Um, at least that's been true for me. So even as a young person, um, you know, I remember the the oil spill, what was that? The Exxon Valdez oil spill many, many, many years ago, right? I'm not even mm -hmm. gonna say what year that was. And I was a kid and I just remember seeing, you know, on the news at night when we just had to sit and watch the news because that's what was on, on the channels <laughs> before we could stream everything and ignore the world. And I remember seeing the birds, you know, in in the oil and just all of these animals and, and everything and just feeling so like like I needed to be there. It wasn't just like I was feeling sympathy or empathy or any of those things. Like I actually felt like I needed to be there. I needed to change something to do something. And initially when I came out of college, you know, I went into politics. Like I said, you're in D.C. That's what people do. And and I went into politics with this idea that, you know, I was going to go to Capitol Hill and I was going to change something. And um, when I say that you can't change very much from Capitol Hill, I'm speaking from experience. And that's before the divisiveness that we're experiencing now. Thankfully, that's not what Capitol Hill was like when I when I worked up there. I actually had a really positive experience working across parties and across party lines. But but yeah, I've always just been compelled to do something. And part of wanting to do something is to mobilize other people, is to say, like, I am super passionate about this. How do I get you to be passionate about this, right? And how do I get you to not only understand 
that you want, that you are passionate and you want to do something, but that activism isn't going down with a picket, you know, with a protest sign. Like that's not all activism is that creating change can be in big ways and small ways. I am not a protester. That's actually not what I do. Um, I love that people do it. That's just not, I've never been compelled to create change in that way. So for me, it's just always been in me to act. And then I have found this incredible community of, of mentors and champions and people along the way because activism like activist burnout is real and you can you can push really hard and not move the needle or you can watch the needle go backwards and i think we've all experienced that over the past you know few years as well of rights being taken away and things you know histories being erased and so when you're watching things go backwards while you're trying to push forwards that's hard and so just having people to help pick you back up and tell you to take a break. And, you know, I'm, I've been really, really fortunate to be surrounded by so many incredible people who do that for me. I love that. That's beautiful. And I'm not even going to guess at how old you are, but I remember the Exxon oil spill and that was back in 1989. And I remember watching it on the news. So um, Leon, do you have time for another question or do you want me to? Yes. Nope. You go right ahead. Okay. Awesome. So what advice would you have for people? Um, anyone, again, I work with college students predominantly. So anyone who is starting out in their careers who wants to, to be part of the change, right? Mm-hmm. What advice would you give to them? One, it doesn't have to be your career. You can do any job and also affect change. Um, I've talked to a lot of people who, you know, look at my career and they think, oh, you know, like that, that must be so rewarding. And, you know, you can be a business analyst, you can be an accountant and you can also affect change. So it doesn't have to be what you do and live and breathe every day the way it has been for me. Um, I always say like, find the small things, right? Like we need wins. And sometimes that is just educating somebody. And I don't mean in a way that is like, here is my opinion. My opinion is right. That is now fact. If you don't agree with me, I'm going to walk away. That's not education. Um, so it's it's finding the ways to to talk about the things that you're passionate about. It's finding the ways, you know, donate. Like I ran a nonprofit. Nonprofits need money to do the things that we do. Um, and so whatever it is that you care about, like put your dollars behind it, not just in in donating and giving money, but in the products that you buy and the restaurants that you, where you eat and, you know, the way that we consume, like every day we're making decisions about how we want to walk through this world by where we're putting our time, our talent, our capacities and our money. So, you know, you can affect change that way. Um, You can do it within your company. You can find out what the employee resource groups are or, you know, are there policies that you want to start to have a conversation about that are outdated policies that don't reflect the world that we live in? Everybody has those. So, you know, start looking at those and figure out, you know, who are the champions from within. So there's always ways to find kind of those small wins and, and to push things forward. Um, those small wins become the big ones. And we we tend to lose sight of that. Absolutely. And sorry, uh, I think that it's really important for people to hear Yes, every single place that you spend your money, even if it's a quick service uh, or fast food rather restaurant, um, there's a certain fast food restaurant that I will not spend my money that is very popular. Uh, and if I see my husband try to go there, <laughs> bat it out of his hand. <laughs> I think you and I are having the same conversations with your husband, with our husbands. <laughs> About, about that. Yeah, it is. But I will say, I want to add to that, that we have to be careful with 
with also just shooting off at the hip really quickly about like why we will and will not support something, right? Because social media grabs a hold of something and, and it's like, oh, everybody stop doing this. And I can give an example, you know, when the racial justice movement started back in 2020, where the uprising sort of came up, there was my son at the time who was in college came to me and said, you know, oh, we can't support Starbucks anymore. And it was a whole conversation. And I said, why? And he saw something on Twitter that in his mind was something he wanted to stand for. And but once he looked into the story, once we talked through it and understood restaurant policies and how you keep your employees safe, he recognized that like the, the decision the company made that people reacted to was actually in the best interest of their employees. It was to keep their employees safe and it, and it wasn't to take a stand one way or another, but actually to keep the people, the human beings there safe. And so we, we have to be really careful and thoughtful in all of those decisions about um, where we're putting our money on a daily basis and convenience makes it hard to do sometimes. Like we live, we just want to pull up something and get delivery that same day from wherever. Um, and it, and convenience can sometimes drive that, but, it, but it is really important to know why you are or are not supporting anybody at any given time. Absolutely. Leon, do you yeah. see why I was so excited? I, I get it. I get it. I, I get it. I, I, we're excited, but you know, we can't be here forever. We've got to end the show. I'm sorry. Now my son, the English major, the the writer, the editor who works with kids in our racquetball program. Anna, I run a youth racquetball program I love that. in Baltimore. Do you, do you play racquetball? I don't, but I love that. Okay, but you're not far from Baltimore, so we have to give you an invitation yeah. to come over and play racquetball. But my, my son provides English tutoring, writing skills mm. uh, to the kids in the program. And when he sees this and says, and hears me say, we gotta end the show. You know he's gonna he's gonna smack me around a little bit. So, listen. One more question before we get into our two signature questions. One one question. Can you tell us about some of the education that the that the HLA Foundation is providing? Just give us a a brief overview of some of that that education. Yeah, so we really exist to make sure that all employers within industry can support their people. The people are the greatest asset. Um, that's what makes hospitality and hotels different. And so from, I mean, the education from, again, like providing resources, best practices, guides, toolkits, background information, trainings, um, access to programs. We have a lot of it comes from just that place of, of education. No Room for Trafficking is one of our programs that's about combating um, human trafficking in hotels and what hotels can do. But if you don't understand it, if you don't understand how to identify it, if you don't understand that it's happening in every hotel um, at any given time, you want like, so you have to start with the education. And for us, that goes all the way back. So fun fact, the foundation is actually 70 years old this year. Um, the HLA Foundation has been around for a very long time. And for the vast majority of that, for 60 plus years, it was a scholarship fund. So this, this foundation was set up to support the education of people studying hospitality. Um, we have like 80 different affiliated schools and colleges, two and four year colleges and universities that we work with. So investing in education, making a hospitality degree possible for young people is also a huge commitment of ours and the most longstanding commitment that, that we've had. I love it. I love it. Anna, it's now time for our two signature questions. Can I get a drum roll, please? I'm ready. Now, the first one is going to be it's really easy. 
Okay. Really easy. So I'll do a, a one and a one A on this one. All right. We're we're in baseball playoff season. Who's going to win the playoffs? Who's going to win the World <laughs> Series? Go. So I was prepped. The only thing I was given ahead of time was that the Baltimore Orioles are yes. going to win the World yes. Series. Yes. Wow. Whoever did that prep did an outstanding job. <laughs> yes, yes. 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 Now, now here's the other question we ask our guests, but I, I know you're, you, you, you spend some time in DC, you're in Maryland now. Have you ever had a Maryland crab cake? It's kind of like a gimme question. Have you ever had a Maryland crab cake? So it's tough. I don't like crab. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm just not a big seafood what? person. But who, who scheduled you on this show? Who scheduled you here? You have to do, but well, it's not on my LinkedIn, but in my home. So my, my husband is a DC native. He is crab and he is mumbo sauce. He is all of the things. So there is actually a roadside crab shack that we found um, that he will drive out to with my youngest, who is eight years old. And they sit down and take over the whole table and, um, you know, do, do their thing. But I, I have had a crab cake, but I, I'm not a crab fan. I know, but I said Orioles. I got that one right. Uh, okay. She awesome. answered that she has had one. I have. I have, have had one. Yes. Yes, you have, you have had one. You know, we asked that question, and we asked someone in Kansas once, have you ever had one? And they said, yeah, at a rib joint down the street. I'm like, shut up. That's, That's not, not a crab cake, cake yeah. at a rib joint <laughs> in Kansas. <laughs> Wow, I can just see your son, your your, your husband, and the eight year old coming in, just taking over the, the, the stand. Oh, I yeah. love it. They melt I the butter it. and sit down, and there's plastic bags everywhere. Oh yeah, yeah, I, I love, love it. it. I love it. <laughs> All right, so uh, my final question for you is: if you could go back in time and give one piece of advice, or just mm, anything to give to your twenty year old self, what would it be? Oh. 20 was a big, that was actually a really pivotal year for me. <laughs> um, I would, you know, if I could go back and say anything to my younger self, it would be to just say it's going to be okay. Right. Like, I think that that peace of mind of, you know, we weigh every decision and every, you know, am, am I doing the right thing? Am I screwing up my kids? Is this the right career switch? Should I leave this job? Is, you know, I changed my major a couple of times, you know, just all of the decisions that I made to know that, that, that I was right in trusting my gut and, and failing and doing the wrong thing was actually the right thing along the way. And to know, I would just say like, go easy on yourself. It's, it's going to be okay. Oh my God. Doing the wrong thing is sometimes the right thing. That just gave Absolutely. me chills. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so, it. so much. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for being with us. Anna. Thank you for folks, me. Thanks for being with us. If you want to get in touch with, with Anna and learn more about the foundation, you can go to ahlafoundation.org. You can get in touch with Anna at her email is ablue at ahla.com. Anna, thanks so much for for being with us here on Checking In a Lodging DEI Chat. This was so much fun. Thank you for having me. I'll come back anytime. Yay! Thank you. Thank you. And folks, thanks for watching. Miranda, great show. Just like you said it would be. This was awesome. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Thanks so much, everybody. Thank you, Miranda, for co-hosting with me. Thanks again to our guest, Anna Blue. Thanks to our producer, Dr. Jay Rysenko in the background. And everyone, thank you for watching 
this episode of Checking In, a Lodging DEI chat. We'll see you next time.